What up, what up, everybody? It's the Built Different Podcast. Again, as usual, have a shot in the mountain a little while. Thank you, Leonard, for the intro music, Elementals Music. Check his uh, his beats out. Buy it, purchase some. Uh, reach out to him. Today, we want to talk about the rise of uh, injuries in sports. And unfortunately, it's affected all of us as uh, sports fans, as, as uh, fans of specific fighters, players, you know, individuals in uh, individual sports. It's unfortunately on the rise from uh, years ago and just want to talk a little bit about it, why it may be happening, what we've seen, and maybe um, some solutions. Uh, first off, have you any of you guys uh, had an injury when playing sports or like, Sean, I know you're a disc golf player. Have you experienced anything uh, in that realm or in uh, any other sports? I know we talked concussions earlier, but any sports related injuries from uh, playing you know, a sport you maybe recreationally or like as, uh, you know, on a team? Yeah, my my big injuries have been the concussions. Um, three or four out of the five of them were from sports, um, technically. So, but outside of that, I mean, not too many injuries. I had a fractured wrist when I was younger. Um, but overall, you know, generally speaking, fairly healthy. Um, haven't had any of the, the big, you know, uh, tears or, you know, soft tissue injuries that, you know, people have like years long recoveries for, thankfully. But, um, but yeah, so I, I've been fairly lucky in that regard. Justin, how about you? Um, I've never had like a soft t- tissue injury. Like I've never torn my ACL, but when I was in middle school, I played football and I broke my wrist. I had to uh, get surgery, or not get surgery. I had to wear like a cast and stuff. Um, I used to do Muay Thai. I broke my nose. I got kicked in the face. I had to get surgery for that. I actually just had to get surgery again on it like six years later because I had a deviated septum from it and it was still it was still bothering me pretty bad. And then those are like the two like major injuries that I've had. And then just from jiu-jitsu, I've had like really bad like cauliflower ear uh issues which is more annoying than anything but um yeah definitely the broken nose is the big big issue because that just if you don't get that taken care of, care of properly it's like a domino effects a domino effect it affects your ability to breathe which affects your ability to sleep that makes you tired during the day it just it's it's a nightmare mm. yeah it's, it's sounds, sounds bad. yeah so i I'm, I'm very glad that i finally got that taken care of so i can breathe through my nose i don't snore anymore it's just it's beautiful. I love it. It's a whole whole new world for you. Yeah, exactly. The the cauliflower era, um, what do you do to just drain that typically? Yeah, oh my gosh. I had a I had a really bad case of it. So what happens is what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like get a syringe and suck to take the blood out of the ear, but then you have to keep it like compressed so that like, the tissue heals together. But I ca- I kept going to these urgent care centers to do it. And they would drain the blood out, but they wouldn't compress it. So it would just come back and my ear would fill back up. And so I kept having to go back. And uh, there's these little magnets you can buy, uh, like online, that you put on your on the front and back of your ear to keep it compressed. But the ones that I bought were too strong. And so they, they gave me pressure necrosis and my ears started turning black. And I got like, yeah, I got like an infection and stuff. And I had to go to the emergency room and it was a nightmare, man. I thought I was going to lose my ear. <laughs> But, yeah, but thankfully I found a, a really good ENT that managed to just like uh, sew uh, like a piece of plastic through my ear and just like kept it compressed. And so it healed and I still have my ear, so I'm happy. 
No, yeah, I never, not that I look closely at your hair, but never noticed like any any type of cauliflower. You know, a lot of guys and girls, well, most yeah. of the guys really in MMA tend to have the, keep the, you know, especially wrestlers keep it for that. It's like a, their sign, you know what I mean? I'm a wrestler, I'm a, a grappler, I grind or whatever, you know? Yeah, I have it in both of my ears, but it's not that bad. I wear headgear now so that I don't have to deal with that ever again. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you if you wear headgear, but... Yeah, lesson learned. Um, <clears throat> for myself, I never, like, playing sports. Besides last, uh, well, last April, um, when I was dunking on Sean and landed funny on my leg, I, you know, got that, uh, some cartilage damage. Um, <laughs> dunking on but, me. Yeah, you mean that, losing? <laughs> yeah, I went up for a dunk on Sean, man. He undercut me, and it was just bad, you know? Um, no, that's not, uh, that's obviously an embellishment, but no, that was a, <clears throat> that was a car, some cartilage damage I had, um, playing sports. I never really had much of anything. I think, uh, the most I've gotten at the gym is like, uh, some nicks and some bruises and, you know, typical gym stuff. Um, I've had like, I think I've almost pulled, like, I've almost had something devastating happen with my um, hamstrings, but thank God it ended up being nothing. That was from like deadlift, like from, uh lunges like lunging with plates and the bar and all that but other than that thank god never knock on wood never broken anything no you know tears no nothing like that thank god so and no concussions i'm happy about that mm -hmm. so um what do we want to talk about as well with some of the rise of what's been happening in, in sports you see you know i guess football season's up and running now so you're seeing just all of these these injuries um sean is there any injuries that kind of stick out to you that are kind of more prevalent than others um at this current time um i think the ones that you know like there's been a lot of in so far in the first few weeks of the season i've seen a lot of like hamstring injuries come up uh groin injuries come up um and obviously, you know, whenever someone does one of the big, you know, ACL tears, like you always hear about that because it's season ending. But the hamstrings and the groins and things like that are are not as like severe typically, but they are more nagging. So you see them throughout the year, like the guy, like the or even you know, I've seen a, a couple ankle injuries as well. Like those just nag, and it's like the player may be able to go out and suit up, but if they re-injure it or re-aggravate it, then, you know, they're out for the rest of the game or they're, like, limited. And so those have been, I think, what I've noticed a lot of. And um, more so than, like, necessarily the big injuries, even though there has been a decent amount of those as well. How about you, Justin? Um, I know your team recently had a rash of injuries, your, your, your Cowboys. Um, yeah. Anything that you're seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm see I see like ACL injuries a lot, especially. I mean, not even just with like football, but did you? I don't know if you saw the Gamrot Fazeev fight though this past weekend. Fazeev tore his ACL in like the first round, I think. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty common injury um, that I see a lot, and it's it's. I feel like it's unfortunate because with like the Trayvon Diggs tearing his ACL, I heard that they were doing like a one on one drill or something like that, and. Uh, like former Cowboys players were tweeting, like, I don't understand why they do that drill during the season. You know, it's, it seems like an unnecessary risk, like before a game or something. So it's, I don't know. I feel like that's something where, it could, you know, maybe it could have been avoidable or something like that. Maybe if they just took it more easy as the season goes on during like the week, I don't really know how 
football teams structure their their practicing during the week. But um, I don't know. ACL injuries, I feel like, are just such a freak injury that just it happens out of nowhere. Sometimes it just it's it really it's a bad situation, you know. Yeah, I was the one of the things I was looking up when I was uh we, I knew we had the show was um the how many times this happened. So I found like that it was a study done where it was uh from 2014 to 2020 uh there was like 379 ACL tears. Uh 256 of them were during the gameplay and 118 of them were during practice, but also um, those practice-based injuries were significantly higher um, in the preseason uh, versus the remainder of the season. So it looks like it happens early on in the season, but it's it's a freak thing that happens, you know, any part, any time during the season. You want to essentially, if it, God forbid, it does happen, you want it to happen early in the year because you need that, what is almost a year of recovery. And they've gotten better. Like you see people recovering a lot quicker, but it's still it's still just that debilitating, nasty injury. Um, what about uh, Achilles? I mean, you, sorry, go ahead, Trump. It's fun, like not funny, but like the ACL injuries. Almost, it almost feels like the more athletically gifted and like the more like freak athletes start, you know, becoming. I mean, not that they weren't like not that the athletes back in the day weren't freak athletes, but like these guys are constantly pushing the envelope and becoming, you know, faster, better, you know, better jumpers, you know, just like athletically gifted people. And it's like, it's almost like their athleticism is now working against them. And the fact that they're doing so many crazy things that their body almost can't keep up. Like that's how I've like, felt. it's almost, it's almost like it's working against them in that way. Well, let's go there then. I was going to um, touch on some other injuries. I guess we can kind of pivot back to those. But I that was the question I've had as well. And I think a lot of people have. It's like, you know, sports medicine has gotten better. You know, technology is getting better, uh, especially with us. But um, also, too, like, you know, uh, athletes are, you know, their nutrition is up, be- bigger, better, faster, stronger. Like, what do you what do you guys contribute to to the rise of these injuries? Because obviously, like you're saying, Sean, like, you know, people are doing crazier things in these games and matches and people are breaking all type of records. What what could be contributing to somebody that's bigger, faster, stronger, better nutrition, better, you know, everything than athletes of the past getting injured more often? Not enough rest, potentially, because, you know. The NFL schedule is very grueling. It's very like, you know, every every Sunday and then sometimes if you play on Sunday night, then you have to play on Thursday. So then it's you don't get as much rest and maybe coaches try to cram more stuff into the the practicing. And so I don't know, you don't get the adequate rest that your body needs each week and eventually that kind of breaks down over the course of over the course of a season or maybe even over the course of your career, I guess. That's what I would guess. I think, you know, that definitely plays a part in it. I think a couple other things that I would say may be factors is like, you know, the the decreasing of preseason activity, right? For a lot of the starters, it's like you're no longer, the starters don't play in three or four preseason games like they used to. They now play in maybe one or two. And even then they play in, you know, a couple, like maybe a drive or a half at most. Um, I think that, can play into it and then you know also just 
like more people are, you know, like the cuts that these guys are making, the stop on a dime, start back up, like the quick acceleration, deceleration and change of direction. That's, I think, where we've seen like back in the day, running backs, you know, were typically more like they still had obviously the shiftier guys as well, but a lot more guys that were just like, we're going to run through you. We're going to, you know, bully our way down the field. Now it's like nobody's really like there's a couple guys who are still, you know, running through people, but there's a lot more guys who are jump cutting and avoiding and, you know, making these quick sudden movements to avoid contact, which is good in the sense that they're not getting hit, but that like how much can your knees and your ankles take of these quick cuts and stuff before they, you know, are getting pushed to their limits. Yeah, I would agree with you both. And it's, I don't know, it's a weird thing now because you have evidence that shows when people sit out, like you said, Sean, for like and miss games and they're not active, there tends to be the risk of injury, higher risk of injury. Then you have the other side where people play too much and there's also that side of that, that risk of injury. So it kind of ties into what's been happening lately. You take the NBA, for instance, and NFL is trying to do it as well, less preseason games. You see, you know, starters playing in one game versus the four they used to play in or three they used to play in, really. Um, what do you guys – how do you guys feel? How, what, what do you feel – how do you balance that? Like, what, what, what would be that balance? Because one way or the other, it seems like they're still getting injured. Um, I, I guess I would pivot to the question – how do you feel about load management? Cause now the NBA is trying to crack down on, on the load management issue because, you know, before it was pretty much, you need to preserve a player during the season for their longevity, the longevity of their career. You sit them out a few games and now you have situations where you like have Kawhi and some of these other players that sit out and are getting injured more than us when they sit out than when they were more active. So how do you, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about load management? How do you get that? What What's the potential way to get that balance um, that we're speaking of? You can go first, Sean. I, so, I, I mean, I'm not, as a fan, I'm not in load management because I want to see the best players out on the field as much as possible. Um, but from the perspective of player safety and player health, I do think, you know, some of these injuries that are occurring, you know, you see guys go out of the games with cramps it's because they're not hydrating enough or they're not, you know, like taking care of themselves. They're out there too much, you know? So it's like keeping an eye on things like that. Those, those are preventable injuries or preventable situations that players are missing time for because they, you know, are just putting themselves in a bad position health-wise. Um, so things like that, I definitely think load management in the sense of, you know, if someone needs to come off the field, then get them off the field. But, um, and I think too, like we've seen a, a lot with running backs, like back in, you know, the, even like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, there was a lot of teams that had, you know, the one guy who was like their lead running back and he would run for, mm-hmm. 200 times a year, 250, 300 times a year. Now it's like a lot of these teams are using what's called like a running back by committee where, yeah, they may still have their top guy, but they're working in the backup or the, you know, even a couple guys that do a little different thing 
um, to try to preserve. Running back is one of those positions where, you know, you're constantly getting hit. You're every time you run the ball, you're getting hit. Every time you have to block, a, you know, pick up a block, you're getting hit. So it's like, like same thing with offensive linemen, but offensive linemen have a body type that's built to take hits a lot. You know, the running backs are, well, they're still, you know, very built. They're not 300 and 300 plus pounds, most of them. So, um, Derek Henry. Yeah, other than King Henry. But, but yeah, so it's like, I don't know. I think, you know, there's some positions maybe that you can do some more load management for, but um, overall, I think it's more just like, you know, using the personnel that you have to, to make sure that these guys are not getting too tired, not, you know, breaking down physically um, as, much, as best as possible. Any, any thoughts, Justin? <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think about, like, for the Cowboys, seeing how – I remember when we drafted uh, when we drafted Zeke, he was, like, the, the workhorse. He was, he, was on, he was on the field for every single play. And, he, I mean, he was great when we first – the first few years, but it's kind of like you could see, like, the wear and tear over, like, three or four years. He just – he was not the same player. And it was just because we, we put, like, all of our chips kind of on him as, like, the workhorse running back, you know? Whereas now, you know, you look at what we do now, uh, the Cowboys have like Tony Pollard, but then they also have Rico Dowdle, and they have Deuce Vaughn, and it's like a, it's, it, it gives players more of like a break, I feel. It gives them more of a chance to recover, even just during like, during a game where it's, you know, you come out of the, you come out of the drive for, you know, three or four plays, it just gives you the chance to just recover and take even just a, a, a little bit of a break, you know? I feel like that over the longer season, I feel like that that will make like a longer, bigger difference, you know, for like preserving the healthier team overall, you know? Yeah. So it's a tricky situation. Um, and it's a delicate balance. And it's, it's weird because the, NFL, the NBA is a very obviously less physical sport than um, the NBA is a lot less physically uh, demanding than the NFL, but they're, load managing their players more and I understand they play over a long period longer period of time but they um are load managing their players you know more than NFL you really can't do that in NFL on a 17 week basis so but yeah it's you want to see your favorite players play and then you also too want to you know you want to see everybody healthy and safe out there so it's just it's really tough I mean you think about the Jets and and how high their hopes were with Aaron Rodgers yeah. And his injury was really crazy. The Achilles injury, actually seeing the physical, Ugh. you know, movement of, of of that, you know, tear. Like that was that was a wild thing to see. And you know, ESPN, all these networks kept playing it over and over again. But it just kind of highlighted like how crazy and how freak that injury was. Like especially the weirdest injuries are the ones where you don't even see anybody around that person. Like there's no contact at all. And that person goes down, you know, something major happened. It's like, damn, you know, the cart's coming up. When so. it, whenever I hear the term non-contact injury, I just automatically assume it's like, okay, that guy's done for the year. Like, it's yeah. such a bad thing. Yeah, especially when you see them, it's just they plant their foot and just something weird happens and, they, you know, they're done. Um, speaking on that and the disappointment that the Jets fans have, in your lifetime as a fan of the different teams, different sports, different players, um, 
can you guys pinpoint a, a injury that really like just kind of took you out and as, as a fan of like I said team or player took took you out as in what like as far as like you just like damn this this sucks like it, it just ruined your 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 uh it ruined your season or ruined like it was a bad sports moment for, bad sport moment for you I think the uh, back issues that Tony Romo was having really cut his career short. I think, I mean, I know I'm like a Cowboys fan and stuff, but I feel like the, you know, his early years, it's like he didn't really have an offensive line that was super good. He didn't quite have a great defense. And then when they finally, you know, got a decent defense together, they finally got, you know, the Great Wall of Dallas and stuff. It was just like his back issues were just so bad at that point that it just it was like he, he took one hit and then he was out for the whole season basically. Remember the whole twenty uh, fifteen season we lost uh, Tony Romo and Des Bryant. We went like four and twelve that year, and then you know we dropped. Of course, we drafted you know Zeke, and you know we thought, wow, this is going to be a great year, and then we lost Tony Romo in the preseason. <laughs> so it was. I think that was watching Tony Romo go down like that was hard because you know he was. I thought he was a really good quarterback. I just thought he never really had the good, the right situation, you know. Well, you guys got Dez out of. I mean, got um, uh, Dak out of that. So yeah, I, yeah, I guess. How about you, Sean? I would say the most heartbreaking injury was, uh, and obviously we all went there, but UCF uh, Mackenzie Milton's leg injury. Oh, yeah. that. That was brutal. I mean, I'm a huge, you know, UCF football fan, and it was like we had so much going for us. We, you know, undefeated an entire year, beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, then undefeated the entire next year going, like, we're in the, I want to say it was the uh, American Conference Championship game. And, uh, you know, and that's where he got hurt, and it was, or no, it was the game right before that game that he got hurt. And, uh, against USF, and it was just like, not only was it bad as the fan, you know, rooting for the team, but like when he got injured, it was, you know, he blew up his knee, and they were saying like, you know, he might need to get his leg amputated. Thankfully, he didn't. Um, but that was brutal, and you know, and he was out for the rest of the year. He was out for I think most, like all of the next year as well, um, and. He just, like, even when he came back, he never played for UCF again. I think he came back and played for FSU, and it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same because he, was he was a great quarterback, but, like, part of what made him great was his ability to scramble out and, you know, make plays with his legs, and his legs just weren't the same after that. So really ruined his chances of going, you know, further along to the NFL, and UCF obviously didn't win the uh, – the Fiesta Bowl that year that he went out. So it, it was overall just a rough injury and, you know, rough time for UCF fans. Yeah. How about you, I, Ricky? I think from the standpoint of just being like, oh, man, I feel really bad for that person. And, like, it was just like – because obviously we've seen uh, the Nick Chubb injury a couple weeks yeah. ago or last week, I should say. That was really bad. You saw um, Alex Smith's injury. Which, yeah. thank God, I don't think they replayed that one very much because it was, I think, worse than majority of the. And then, uh, you know, there's been these horrific injuries in, in football, but, you know, they tend to be, you know, padded up. You know, you have players kind of cover. I think for me, like in MMA, 
Anderson Silva breaking his leg and just seeing how just gruesome that was. And, you know, then you followed that up with Weidman doing it. You followed it up with um, McGregor doing it. Um, McGregor's wasn't, you know, thank God, as bad as, as the other two. But seeing those injuries and, you know, it's a little bit more quiet when that happens in a, in a uh, arena and hearing them, like, screaming and things like that and seeing the agony on their face because they don't have on a helmet. I think those injuries... And there was a, I was trying to look up his name. It's weird now um, because when you look up leg break injury, because there was a guy back in the day, UFC, like early days of UFC, uh, that had that same type of leg break and people don't really talk about it. So I'm like searching for his name. I forget what his name was. And um, Weidman comes up, not even Anderson Silva or, or Conor McGregor, I don't know why, but those injuries and just seeing the leg break and snap and then seeing them try to put their foot back down, it's just like a a grotesque like ball of, of you know just like rubber um those injuries are always kind of the ones that always stick with me that I'm just kind of like Ugh, I hate seeing those but from a sports standpoint I mean I think Super Bowl trying to make a Super Bowl run again last year Ryan Jensen and his injury um, you know, there's been worse, you know, during the Super Bowl when we won the Super Bowl. There's been a number of injuries that from a team basis that I was like, damn, you know, you know, you hate to see an injury that takes out that stops your team from being uh competitive and, and um fulfilling their 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 destiny or um living up to their expectations. Um so that being said, like what you know what do you guys see as, as possible solutions to, to, you know, obviously we want to see athletes bigger, faster, stronger, making these crazy cuts, doing these wild things that athletes before them haven't done. But what are some of the solutions to kind of create that balance of having these athletes being the best version of themselves versus uh, protecting them? Um, you guys have any, any thoughts on that? Get rid of turf. <laughs> Yeah, Sean, um, I know you. that was one of yours. To get rid of turf, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think they, the NFL and honestly any sports league has to listen to their players, you know. The players have said for years that certain fields are not, you know, safe or non-conducive, you know. Um, there's been research done. I think Sports Info Solutions just did a study. Um, mm -hmm. They found that from 2017 to 2020, you know, the uh, average injuries per game on turf was higher for head injuries, ankle injuries, foot injuries, shoulder injuries, core injuries, arm and hand injuries. And it was equivalent for upper legs and hips. And the only one that was actually lower percentage of injuries was for lower legs and knees, which I was kind of surprised by, but um, it was, uh, not it was a pretty small difference um, in the number of injuries for that, but uh, you know you just see the the amount of injuries each year that are occurring on on turf and out of the like the top ten stadiums with the highest injury percentage per game, seven out of the ten are turf fields as opposed to only three out of the ten being grass fields. So you know uh, you don't want to say that uh, it's like like correlation is causation or anything like that but you know the players clearly don't like it you know there's been 
doctors that have come out that said like when you stick your foot into the turf it just doesn't give the same way that a grass field does and um i i think that's the easiest solution is you know yeah these grass fields may cost a little bit more to maintain and stuff but if it's going to potentially help players stay on the field i think that's a no-brainer i agree yeah have you guys ever touched like have you guys ever touched the astroturf before my high school has it so yeah i think i have yeah one of the weirder ones that I, I came across, I, I visited the, the Falcon Stadium. I did the stadium tour when it was first built. And it was it was a weird, it felt weird. Um, obviously, it didn't feel natural. But the weird thing was when you, um, and I, I'm assuming a lot of the AstroTurf uh, fields do this, but it had rubber um, ground up tires in the, so I'm like walking and you see tire, you know, um, tire pieces flying up in there, which I thought was kind of weird. But I'm like, um, still, I, you know, I was like, seems soft enough that, you know, it's not like this hard surface I would be afraid of landing on. But I guess when you're you're doing all these cuts and you're really being impacted, somebody else is driving you into the turf, it's it's a different story. Um, any other solutions you guys can think of? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say load management necessarily, but just better health monitoring, better player monitoring. Um, and I know, you know, that's something that we haven't really talked about too much from our end, but something that we'd like to, to be a part of is helping to monitor the players um, as best as possible and provide additional uh, feedback, you know, data, like quanti quantitative feedback for, for athletes. Um, so I, I think that can help too, but um and just understanding the players you know their limitations when they need to be on the field when they need to be you know resting and and listening to the data when it comes to things like that yeah and i think it, it starts even in the younger years as well because when i was doing this research um they were saying compared to over 20 years ago for every uh, ACL knee reconstruction operation surgeons are now doing uh, 20 to 29 times more operations. So for every one reconstructive surgery they did, now they're doing 20 to 29. Um, so part of that too is, is educating younger athletes. Um, I think preparing them better. It's not the preparation can't only be for these professionals. It has to be for for these younger athletes. So that you know, transfer of knowledge happens from um, their youth up until professional ranks or, you know, even if they're doing it recreationally. And then, Sean, I think, yeah, we, you know, that's what we kind of pride ourselves on. And obviously we haven't been able to show our solution yet, but that, that time's coming. And I think a lot of the discussions we've had recently show the importance and how, how, uh, how important our technology is because it differs from what else is out there. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these, these systems that kind of, uh, players utilize, they can only utilize it in practice where we can, you know, do, we can be on an athlete during practice, we can be on them during a game, we, we you know, there's no impacts during contact um, that would affect our technology. And I really think what we have in place and some of the plans we have in place is going to change the game. And I think this problem being so prevalent now, um, I want to say we're the solution to, to help, uh, help potentially resolve that. So. Um, you guys will find out in the coming weeks and months, like what we're doing and see how, how important we are and how important what we're doing is going to be for 
not only, you know, and that's why I mentioned having a system in place where you can monitor them, not only their health, but their performance. So we can do both, you know, a lot of systems do one or the other, but I think we're really that um, system that bridges that gap and ties in performance, ties in health. And, you know, as we always say, we want people to be the best versions of themselves. So with that being said, we want to wrap up. Uh, if you want to be the best version of yourself, follow us and, uh, you know, follow our journey, follow our story, like, comment, subscribe, you know, have you had an injury uh, that kind of uh, stopped you in your tracks from, from uh, finishing the season, or maybe it still hampers your, your performance today. Um, any moment in sports that, you know, kind of ruined your, your season, any athlete that got hurt that really uh, broke your heart. Like, comment, subscribe, um, and uh, put, put your comments in the comments section. And again, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, hope you have a productive week, and have a, a blessed weekend. Thank you.